today on The Breakdown. Daniel Negreanu in an interesting spot in a cash game. What's he going to do? I'm going to keep talking like this. That's all I know. Keep with the inflection. We're going to break it all down right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. I hope we still have listeners after that. I'm not sure we will. That was horrific. <laughs> Why would you do that to the people? We could start again. No. They have to know what you're like. <laughs> what I have to deal with when we podcast. Yeah. Now everybody knows. That one just got away from me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I know? felt like you were just down a path that started turning into a hill and you started rolling and you couldn't stop. You know what it is? Sometimes you commit and you commit. That's it. I was committed. I like started and I was like, I don't know how this plane's going to, I don't know if I'm going to be able to land this plane, but I'm in the storm now and I'm going to try and fly it out. You and know who I, else was I committed? Charles Manson. Charles yeah. Manson was committed to his yeah. craft. I think he would, he thinks he probably did a good job. Yeah. He's probably proud of himself. He, I, I bet he is. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. So what's the so problem? So you're proud the same way that Charles Manson is proud. Look, you can feel pride, and he can feel pride in the same way. It doesn't mean I'm a bad guy because he's, like, not a good it guy. It doesn't mean that. Right. But we can all, and I'm winking at the audience right now. He's not winking. Know what it really means. He's not winking. Okay, he just winked <laughs> in a really big sort of weird way. Yeah, that's what both happened. eyes, both eyes winked, and he sort of leaned his head forward at the same time. It was not. No one wants to see that. I'm just going to tell you right. It now. was great. Hey, you know what else is great? Yes, nitrogen sports poker. Room. Oh, I didn't think you were going to say that. What, what do you think I was? Gonna I thought you were going to talk about apples. Oh, apples are pretty good. Apples are pretty great. They used to be crappy, right? Now they're good. Yep, that's how it is. But you know what? Apples don't have. Online poker. Also, super fast withdrawal. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you can't withdraw Bitcoin from an apple very fast. It's I mean, difficult. I mean, maybe eventually the technology will You do can that. do it from your Macintosh computer, though. Oh, very yeah. nice. Because very Nitrogen nice. Sports Poker Room works on all different types of computers. <laughs> and guess what? You don't even have to download any software. It's held in the browser. And even so, you can still multi-table like Randy Nanonoko Lu is known to do. And Nanonoko is going to be the opponent of Dan Grano in this hand we're about to do, by right. the way. That's pretty cool. You know what else is cool about Nitrogen Sports Poker Room? Free rolls? Poker guys only free rolls. Whoa, They're that's exclusive. Different. There's a red carpet. There's champagne service. This is all a lie because it's on the internet. Also, but, if there was, it would be for poker guys only. Yeah, not for you. <laughs> but, but what is for you is participation in those free rolls. They happen yeah. every Sunday. If you use the link in the description of this podcast, you can then get access to those free rolls. So you should probably do that. Like, do that. Like, now. Like, let's go. Hurry up. Let's get a move Get on. on nitrogen. Get the free rolls. Get the super fast 10 to 25 minute withdrawals. That's what's up. <laughs> wow, you nailed that. Yeah. You're nailing it. Thank you. So let's move on. Okay. So we mentioned Nanonoko, who is known in the online world for being the guy who multi-tables insane amounts of tables. Right. Uh, his actual name is Randy Liu. Yeah. And when you say insane amounts, we're talking like 40 tables, right? Yeah, I think 48 is what he was doing for... Yeah. He, he would play... It wasn't high stakes, but it was like one, two, no limit games. Right. And he made hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars doing that because he was just very good at making optimal plays on 48 tables at once. And it was not obviously exploitative play. He was just like right. playing his system or whatever. I mean, he's probably doing his best to play GTO, I yeah. assume, right? Yeah, exactly. And against 1-2 on PokerStars back in the day when he was doing it, that was good enough for hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. 
Right. Plus, of course, you get then uh, what is their thing called where you're like Supernova, Supernova Elite. Elite, where yeah. that that's worth like a hundred k. Not anymore. But not yeah. anymore. But in that day, it was worth. Yes. A lot of people were trying to go for Supernova Elite just to break even. I remember. Like that was a big thing. I'm gonna be a professional Supernova Elite, meaning all I gotta do is like break even or maybe lose a couple thousand this year. But if I get Supernova Elite, it's all worth it. Yeah, it all gets paid back. To yeah, you. that's how it worked. That's not how it is it's anymore. Kind of wacky. Yeah. Basically. But that was like a 100-hour-a-week commitment for most people. I remember trying to – because I was a supernova for a few years and trying to, and doing the math. Because a few years I was like, I, maybe I should go for supernova elite. And it ended up being I was going to have to essentially play poker for at least six hours a day for something like 351 or 361 of the 365 days of the year. Something insane like so, that, at least at the stakes I was playing at the number of tables I was So playing. more likely you would be playing like – 10 hours a day yeah. for less days. Right, whatever. But whatever it was, it was sort of an unpalatable amount of time that I just decided. So I never even went for it right. because of that. And yeah, it seems like it would be kind of hell to do. <laughs> and the other thing is this, actually, with Supernova Elite, not to get too into the past here. The first year you get it, it's worth something. But the real value of Supernova Elite is year two. So you have to do it a second year in a row. Otherwise, you don't really get all the cool oh, stuff. What, explain what happens there. Well, the thing is, because once you're Supernova Elite, then you get um, like your points at the highest um, rate like ah. and like so the next year you get them at all that thing but you're only split like you're only supernova elite for the first year for a very short period of time unless you're sean deeb or something like but that. you get 100k right away right Forget no they it. don't hand you 100k no it's all in bonuses oh really yeah it's all in frequent player bonuses and stuff like that no you don't get that okay the first year it's worth it was worth something like 70 grand the second year is worth like 120 i don't remember exactly maybe it was a little bit different but it was some it was like significantly better the second year you had to get the second year out of it otherwise it was clearly not worth it so that meant you have to do two years of that and i was like forget it yeah well that's not a thing anymore and many of you may know about that yeah. ike haxton's breakup with poker stars based on that and everything yep that's yep. right but, you know, this is a different time, and we're talking about the big game, and this was the time when supernova elites wandered the clouds. <laughs> the clouds. And Nanonoka was one of them. He was. He was one of the. He was probably one of the guys who got to supernova elite really quickly, too, because he yeah. played so many tables. So many tables. Yeah. Imagine, he probably played hours and hours, of, like 10 hours a day, 1, 2, 48 tables or something. Yeah. It's probably something like that, at least, you know, three or four days a week, I would guess. Maybe yeah. more. That sounds really boring, but, you know, money's money. You know, you just get into the, the flow of it, though. I remember playing 11 tables at a time, and I was playing limit hold them, so the decisions were actually quicker and easier. You just press a button, and that felt like a whirlwind for me. Like, I couldn't catch my breath at 11 tabling, yeah. you know? And, uh, but I could do that. I could do that for, like, three hours straight. And that was, but that was hard and work. So 42 tables we actually have to put in the bed amounts each time. I don't, I can't even. Yeah, no it's limit. Just, it's no limit. Yeah, he's playing. That's yeah. crazy. But so I don't think it gets boring. I think you're just like your your mind is on fire the whole time. You just fall asleep right away afterwards, <laughs> I guess. Um, anyway, that's not what's happening here. And I'm not sure. I mean, we This is probably going to be the only Randy Luhan we ever do because he's not frequently on TV. Ouch. Well, am I wrong? Wow. Am I wrong? You might be wrong. He does. He's in the big game and he does probably maybe some other interesting hands. Mm. Did he play yeah. on uh, the shark cage? No, I don't think so. Maybe he did, though. Maybe he did. Maybe he played somewhere else. I don't know. Maybe he'll win something. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make here is not only is it interesting that he's that guy who does yeah. that. He's not the type of guy who's going to play exploitatively at all. And he's not the type of guy who's used to playing in these super high stakes cash games against uh, elite players. Okay. I really disagree with the first sentence, but not the second sentence. Okay. So like in these kinds of games, he is going to play exploitatively, I think. You think? Yeah, I do. 
Um, but the second thing is clearly true. He has no real experience playing even live, certainly not against super elite players. Yeah, like and, especially, and these, the stakes are 800 times what he's used to or whatever. Like, right. I mean, I'm sure he's played a lot bigger than yeah. you know, 1-2 like live. I'm sure he's played like lots of 5-10 and 10-20 and stuff like sure, that. I'm sure, sure, yeah. He's fine at those stakes, Yeah, absolutely. Right? You're right. Yeah, but he's not known for this type of thing. Right. But I yeah. mean, when he's playing 42 tables, I'm sure he's playing GTO. I can't imagine playing heads up against Daniel Grano, which is what he's going to do in this hand. He's playing GTO as opposed to exploitatively. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, let's look. Let's ex- let's, let's look a little deeper. Let's take a look at it. Shine the right, shine so the light on it. When we do a video of this, if you guys are, if you're one of the people who likes to listen and watch the video, it's a sweat with hand or a couch cannon hand or whatever they called it back in the day on the big game. Um, we're just going to tell everybody what the hands are. In the video as well as now, obviously. I'm sure they're thrilled to know all that information. Well, it's just good to know. I mean, it's more of a reminder for just me that we have to <laughs> yeah, reference like, it when heck? we do the video. They don't care. Just tell them the hands. Let's go. All right. So <laughs> the canon, I forgot her name. Uh, yeah, I can't remember either. Yeah. Anyway, she has pocket nines, the amateur. And she opens to 1,600. I believe it's a 200-400 it game. Is. It is. Uh, it's a big race. But whatever. Who cares? It's fine. Daniel Negreanu is in the cutoff with two sevens, seven of spades, seven of diamonds. He calls. Yep. That makes plenty of sense. Nanonoko is in the small blind with two queens, two red queens, queen of hearts, queen of diamonds. He three best 6K. Cool. The cannon folds. Terrible. Why? There's no good reason. If you're short, you should move in. If you're not short, you should call. You have two nines. What are we talking about here? Yeah. This so, is a terrible play. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's an amateur. There's not, Let's just move on. Yeah, moving on. Yeah. So it's back to Negrano. He really has only one decision, and that's to call. Yeah. So he does that. Obviously, he's set mining and also playing the value of his hand because yeah. Randy Lou, in this game, I remember watching this, he three-bet a ton. Like, almost every time he entered a pot, he was three-betting. So Negrano doesn't necessarily have to just set mine with sevens. He can also win with just a pair of sevens frequently. Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, Nanonoko could, even if he's three-betting a reasonable range, can have, you know, ace-king, ace-queen, things like that. Yeah, of course. So the pot is now $14,600. It's a cash game. Actual dollars. Actual dollars. And American dollars, because the last hand we did was an Australian cash game with Australian dollars. Well, that's true. Or as they say, Aussie. Aussie? (laughs) Aussie dollars? That's it. Yeah. So the flop... Is a good one for queens. It's the deuce of spades, three of clubs, jack of hearts. It's a pretty good one for sevens, too. Yeah, but queens feel pretty comfortable, is what I'm saying. Sure. Yeah. So Nanonoko bets 8,000. Nothing to say about that. By the way, Daniel announces before the flop comes out that he's going to flop a set and get it all in with, yeah. with, with Nanonoko. And Nanonoko says, oh, you have a pair? And Daniel's like, well, what else can I flop a set with? <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of interesting. It is pretty you know, fun. There's a lot the of truth. there's a lot of table talk, and yeah. uh, Randy Lou is willing to engage Daniel Negreanu in table talk. Probably not a good idea for a guy who plays majorly online to engage Negreanu in table yeah, talk. Probably not. Yeah. Um, so Nano bets eight thousand, and then Negreanu starts talking. Says, "I have a set of threes. I'm just gonna call, call, and then ship the river." Yeah. He just claims to have a set of threes. He has two sevens, of course, and this deuce three jack board, and then Negreanu calls. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. That's cool. So Negreanu is doing this so that way he won't have to face a really tough river decision, I guess. Is that part of what's he going on? He might just be messing around. Yeah. He might just be talking. Combination of both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, with sevens, it's a pretty clear call. Yes. We can't fold yet. Right. So the pot is now 30,600. So it's become kind of real. Yeah. It's three-bet pot. The turn is pretty good for Mr. D-Negs. The seven of hearts. Seven of hearts. So Negreanu now has a set. He has the second nuts. That's exciting. It's pretty good. So if you're Randy Lou, what are you doing here? I mean, we're betting. Yeah, we're yeah. just we're just gonna bet. Like, what, the bot's got thirty k in it, right? The bot? 
The the bot has thirty k. <laughs> yeah. Robot. Yeah. It was thirty no, k. Yeah. Yeah. We it does that. Right. So he's expecting Daniel to show up with a lot of jacks here, right? He is got to be expecting that because what else can Daniel really have reasonably, right? Right. Negreanu is a sticky player, so it's possible if he had any. I mean, Negreanu claimed to have a pocket pair preflop. Doesn't necessarily mean it's true. But no. if he does have a pocket pair, he might fold to a turn bet. But he might all, if he had two eights or two nines here, he might still call. Oh, yeah. He could still call for sure. Yeah. It's totally reasonable to still call. Or two tens, by the way. He yeah. could just call. That's right. It's fine. So, yeah. Makes sense. Um, this isn't very interesting so far, nope, is it? Nope. But it's going to get It's going to get there. It'll get there. So, Lou bets 20000 Totally reasonable. Yeah. Two-thirds pot. Now, Negrano has a decision here. I mean, he yes. could raise and he could call. Yes. What do you prefer here? He has a set of sevens. Okay. It's a okay. We think Lou has something like what sixty five thousand dollars behind, right? Yeah, something like that. So if we were to raise, we'd just be moving him in. Like yeah. that, that would be the play here. Right. Just move him in. Okay. So I think since we're in position and there's nothing we're really overly afraid of, we can call. In one of these spots, because we can, with these, sort of now following the, the plan that Daniel had before the flop that he was claiming to have anyway, or on the flop, I guess, right? Which is, I'm going to flop a set, or I have a set of threes, I'm going to go call, call, ship. It seems like calling now makes more sense, because Randy might triple barrel. He likes to do stuff like that. He does like to triple barrel. However, if Randy has a hand like he does, yeah. do we expect him to fold if we move him in, considering stack size? No, I expect him to call. So we're calling for the value of the times that Randy's just triple barreling with mostly air. Well, but the other thing we get is a lot of times when Randy has two queens, we're going to get it all anyway on the river. Like Randy only is going to have a batter pot size bet left yeah. anyway, right? And so we just, there'll be 70K in the pot. If he checks, we move him in. If he bets, we move him in. What's the big deal? You know what I mean? It's fine. Yeah. So I, th- so I think that way we sort of get to capture the bluffs. But we now sometimes a king or an ace will come on the river, and he's going to get afraid with his queens, and that's going to be unlucky for us. But I think that's got to be mitigated by all the times Lou is bluffing and continues to bluff. Right. And this is definitely opponent-dependent. If yeah. It depends on how bluff-heavy Lou really is. Because if Lou is value-heavy, then it's probably good to move in just to ensure that we don't miss out on the value on the river. Because also a heart might scare yeah. somebody. Right. So... Because we know Lou is a guy who can bluff a lot, it's okay to call and let him also bluff the river sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Now now we're getting a serious pot here. Yeah, now we got seventy k in the pot, right? Yeah, $70,600 in the pot going to the river. And the river is an ace of clubs. See, that's, that's too bad for Daniel. Because now you're thinking like, well, I hope he has ace king and was barreling because otherwise it's just hard to get value. Right. So, again, the flop was deuce three jack rainbow. The turn was the seven of hearts, giving Daniel a set of sevens and bringing a second heart. Uh, Lou, of course, has two queens. The river is the ace of clubs. So this is the this is why this is a breakdown hand. Yeah. This is a very strange decision, we think, by Randy Lou. Randy Lou decides to bet. Right. And it seems clear that it's for value. Yeah. It's different. I mean, I feel like jacks, kings, and aces are all cards that you would expect him to check on. Yep. Me too. I wonder if he would have bet a jack. How could he bet a jack? He's betting an ace. It's different. Yeah. Daniel's much more likely to have a jack than an ace in his hand. That's true. Okay. So that's that's a good point. Lou bets 47,800 into 70,600. Yeah. With two queens. It's a jack, deuce, three, seven, ace board. Okay. So we said we think it's for value, but let's get clear why we think it's for value. Okay. All right. Because if it's not for value, that means we're trying to fall out hands that are better, which is pocket kings, which we would never expect Daniel to no. have, or an ace, 
which is hard for Daniel to have. We, we came up with a few that may actually consider folding here, like Ace-4 and Ace-5 of hearts specifically. Yeah. Play it just like this. He's not folding any aces that improve to two pair, obviously. If he Never. Has, if he has Ace-Deuce or Ace-3 or Ace-Jack, he's never folding. So never. we're not trying to get him off that. It would have to be Ace-4 or Ace-5 specifically of hearts. Right, because if Daniel has somehow has a big ace, I don't even know what big ace he could have that he could go call call with ace queen of hearts, maybe no, ace king of hearts, something like that. I mean, he didn't three bet, and it's it's not likely, but it's yeah. at least possible. But is it Daniel really going to fold ace king on the river if somehow he shows up with it for one for a pot size bet? I can't imagine Daniel Negreanu is going to no, do that. This is not. This, it's not all, a bluff. All this to say, this is not a bluff. Right. Lou is trying to get value. Right. So what is he trying to get value from? I mean, a jack and or a hero. Right. I mean, a jack is a, a hero. A jack is a hero. But, like, uh, things that are slightly worse. A jack and a nines and tens, right? And eights. That's what he's trying to get called. And I think there is some reasonable thought behind this. Negreanu does not have many aces in his range. It's hard for Negreanu to have an ace right now. It is hard. We came with a few, but there aren't that many. No, there's only ace-jack, which, of course, is never folding. Never. Ace-three and ace-deuce, which would strongly consider folding the turn unless they were of hearts. Right. So they, yeah, that's right. So it's very unlikely that he has those mm-hmm. ace four and ace five, which would strongly consider folding the turn unless they're of hearts. And actually, that I mean, that's the one thing. Like you could get lucky, bet your queens like this for value, trying to get called by a worse hand, and ace four of hearts folds because it's like, ugh, man, like yeah. that's the wrong, that's the wrong out, you know. But I don't know. I don't know if Daniel's going to fold any ace here anyway. Here's a thought. Yeah, maybe Randy Lou. Mostly believes Daniel Negreanu pre-flop when Negreanu says he has a pair. Right. And he's right, first of all. But maybe he really does believe Negreanu. And he thinks most sets are going to raise him at some point along the way, no matter what Negreanu says. Mm -hmm. That means it's kind of a free roll bet because Negreanu never has kings, right? Never has kings. So if Negreanu has a pair in his hand, and and obviously, combinatorially, there's so many more pairs that aren't sets than are, then why not try to get heroed by all those pairs? Well, the thing is, you would assume you're not going to get heroed by all of them, right? Like, well, no, but... not going to call it all pairs. But even if we take away a lot of them, there's still more of those than there are sets. Sure. Okay. But then we need to actually get called by them, too, right? Yeah, but it's Daniel Legrano. He always calls. He does call a huge amount of time. But when an ace comes... The thing is this. Well, as Lou, we're not necessarily afraid of the ace, so we're just going for value. And I get that. And we also may think, like, you know, like... We just can't fold anyway, like yeah. right now. Like if we check, we're probably going to call anyway, unless Dan has something really weird. So it's fine to go for value, try and get the jack to pay you off. From Daniel's point of view, that ace absolutely hits Randy Lou. Right. If Lou was double barreling with ace king or something, any any ace, any reasonable ace, ace king, ace queen, yeah. ace ten, ace nine. If he's three betting a lot, ace eight. You know, you could come up with lots of aces. But would you expect him to bet the turn with those hands? Um, if you think Daniel's just got a medium pocket pair, you think you might be able to blow him off it. But it's Daniel Negreanu. He doesn't call. He doesn't fold. But it's Randy Lou. He likes to bet. Yeah. He likes to keep betting. He does. So it's possible he just, he also bets really quickly in in this and in all hands he plays on this show, right? So for him, it's just like, I just bet. It probably feels really slow to him. You know, he's used to just like click, 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 click. But in his mind, maybe he's like, I three bet. So of course I always continue. And of course I always continue to continue. Like, of course I do. Like that works all the time. I know that's profitable. I'm going to do it. The end. Yeah, you know, could be. Could be as simple as that. Yeah, it could be. I don't know if it is, but it could be. But he probably doesn't have a, too many aces below ace-queen, though, Lou. 
Even though he does three bet I mean, frequently, you said he was three betting like a huge percentage of the time. Though he right? was, but the cannon opened to sixteen hundred, yeah. and she hadn't been opening to that size. Yeah. It was even noted by Joe Stapleton okay. that that's a pretty big raise. Oh, and that's I a think good point. He's probably aware enough to realize that he also may actually be not three betting even a hand like Ace Queen then, because maybe he's trying to bust the cannon and like yeah. blowing her off the hand is not a good way to do it with a hand like Ace Queen, which if she really has a hand, by the way. It's not going to work out well for us, you know. But like Queens, he's happy to three bet and get it in with her. Yeah. So That's all I got. Maybe, maybe he's thinking that all that through. It's possible. Maybe, maybe he, he, a, he clearly has a very fast mind if he can play forty eight tables at once. Yeah. Uh, like and not lose a lot of money doing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You can, anybody could do it, but you're like timing out and folding back <laughs> in all the time. I've timed out on twenty seven tables, but these other twenty one, I'm I'm hanging in there. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah, so he's so but so that the thing that's weird about it to me is I mean, first of all, at first it's weird that he bets, but it's mostly weird because it's it does seem like it's harder for Daniel to call with two eights here now. It's just hard when the ace comes. Even based on everything we said, it's still just hard to call with two eights. We're repping such a strong hand, right? I right. Mean, We're certainly overrepped when we bet this for value. Maybe though, maybe what happens though is Daniel could sit there and think, well, he doesn't have kings, he doesn't have queens anymore, because he wouldn't bet those. Right. So now we're down to just aces or monsters. Yeah. So like we can actually eliminate some of the strong hands that are that were beating us before, which is maybe nice. And we're hoping is King Queen or something. Yeah, I, I mean, guess. But then it comes back to the cannon open to four X. Yeah. And she hadn't been. Right. So Daniel's aware of that. Yeah. And Lou should be aware of that, which means that Lou's three betting range should be tighter and shouldn't really have a lot of air anymore. Now that the ace came. This is a bad bet. I mean, he's trying to get called by a jack, right? He's putting Daniel on a jack, and he's trying to get called by That's exactly that's what's, what's happening. On. That's yeah. what's going on. Or maybe one of those pairs, eights or nines. Okay, like that. sure, because that's effectively the same thing as yeah. a jack in, in his mind. Yeah, he's putting on, like, the problem is the ace does complete a lot of the reasonable jacks that Daniel's going to have, right? And meaning all the ace jacks, which Daniel absolutely could have here. Uh, yeah, very easily. Like, absolutely. And so Daniel could have other jacks, for sure. He can have jack 10 suited and up, maybe even jack 9 suited and up, but... I don't know, ace-jack for sure, and the other ones are more questionable. Like, is Daniel really going to call a three-bet with king-jack? Maybe. He's in position against yeah. Randy. Yeah, he is. Okay. So he's going to call with all the jacks anyway. He's going to call a three-bet with all the jacks. So yeah. you're like, okay, so I'm losing the ace-jacks and nothing else. And maybe you think as Randy Lou, I'm going to bet 48,000 and not bet the full 65 that I have, and I'm going to fold to a race. Here's the question. if Daniel moves in, I'm beat. Well, that seems crazy. But what to just like leave an extra 20K or whatever and fold for it? I mean, that's definitely what he's going to do. Yeah, it is. For sure, he's trying to save that money. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I don't think that's an important point, though. I think it's just... I think we need to really explore if Daniel would call with those jacks. Right. And I think we have already pretty well, but I want to reiterate it a little bit. And I, I think you made most of these points, and you made them well, that Daniel is a station, but... Lou's probably not three-betting light in that specific situation pre-flop. Mm-hmm. So now pretty much all of Lou's range is beating jacks. It seems like it. It so, really seems like it. Like Daniel might, when he bets 50,000 on the river or close to it, it's just really hard to call with jack 10. Right. So when we're Randy Lou, it's a bad river. We're probably supposed to check because we're out of position and just be hopeful that Negreanu checks back and we get to win. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe Randy Lou thinks something like, okay, normally he bets here because when he plays his online game, right, he's up against guys who are regulars who watch him three-bet and triple-barrel all the time, and they and him and his regular 
opponents know that that ace doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot for Randy Lou. So Randy's like, yeah. I can bet with queens here and profitably get, get called by a jack because they're going to call me. Yeah. Yeah. A, I don't know if Daniel's doing that. Um, uh, it's just, it's hard. It's really hard to justify this. I mean, it but comes down thinks, to what it yeah. comes down to whether or not Daniel's calling with his jacks. Maybe Randy Lou thinks like, well, I'm going to check call a lot anyway here. Is yeah. he really going to do that though? Is he going to check call? Like if he checks, is he going to call? That's my question. Daniel bets a normal amount. Daniel I think he probably is. 8,000. So maybe he thinks like, all right, if I, if by doing this way, I get to get more value sometimes, but yeah. also, but I get more value because I can bet more, but I also save myself money if Daniel's really got me crushed. Because if we were going to move in, I was going to call that too. And now I don't have to give up right. the full 65. I only give up 48. So maybe in his mind, this is like the ideal thing. All I mean, this I'm stretching a little all bit. All this, but. if he's going to check call, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. If he's going to check call. That's reasonable. Yeah. I like that thought. Still, it's thin. It's it, very thin. The whole thing is thin and precarious for sure. It's, I mean, against normal opponents, you cannot bet queens here for value. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? That's not no. going to work. I mean, Negreanu is a candidate to get value from because yes. he's known as a station. He is, but let's be clear. Although once in a while we have instances of him calling with like very, very weak hands, he's also known as a station because we watch him on high stakes poker flop the nuts and then lose. Yeah, and like call the big all in on the river when the board's paired and he has a straight. You know? Right. Like, and it's not. I mean, it's it's an un- a lot of those are very understandable calls. He's also known as a very thinking, very exploitative player, yeah. and is v- really aware of the preflop situation that led to where we are, yeah. which makes it a lot harder to call with a jack here when Randy goes three streets. I agree. So I think that alone is enough to make this kind of not the right bet. Yeah, you're probably right. Now we know Daniel. What Daniel actually has, right? He's got a set of sevens here, yeah. and of course has queens on this jack high board, and uh, until the ace comes on the river, anyway, jack high board. So. If Randy checks, Daniel's probably just going to go all in, I guess. Like, take a shot because he figures if the guy's going to call half a bet, might as well try and get the full thing yeah. with my set. Yeah, I guess so. Like, I don't know what Daniel's supposed to be repping here, honestly. He could say, well, that was my plan from the beginning. You know, he can try and do that yeah. whole thing. Like, call, call, ship. Um, do we think Randy's going to call an all in for real? I don't know. Like, what's Daniel supposed to have that he isn't just checking back? That's a good question. I mean, is Daniel going to turn nines into a bluff? He could. He could. Yeah, if he puts, he has to put Lou on specifically tens, queens, or kings then. Well, if we're going by the, Randy Lou's got a very tight range here, and he decides to check the river and not bet it himself. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's getting tricky and checking an ace, but usually he wouldn't do that, right? Usually just move in because he'd be concerned Daniel's going to check it back. Yeah. So maybe it, maybe the, do you think it would be right for Daniel to move in with nines? And do you think Randy should call if Daniel does move in are my two questions. Okay. If, if Lou checked. Right. I think... <sighs> what is Daniel repping? He's just repping a set then. I mean, he could also be... Re- yeah, I mean, he could be repping like ace-x of hearts it, had, it has to be ace-three or ace-deuce of I, hearts. Yeah, because would he really move in with like ace-five of hearts? No. Why would he do that? Yeah, I... I feel like it's probably, if that were the scenario, Daniel is then repping ace-deuce of hearts, ace-three of hearts, which is two combos. Yeah. Um, sets of deuces, sets of threes, sets of sevens. And that's all he's repping. Yeah. And I guess ace-jack. Yeah, ace-jack. Actually, ace-jack is ace really jack, what he's repping. Yeah, so right? eight, that's, that's there's the eight combos there. Okay. So I guess that's a reasonable amount of value that he can rep. Yeah. So maybe Lou is supposed to fold if Nirano moves in on the river. Because if he only has eights and nines and tens for like hands that make sense for him to be going call, call, 
turn into bluff. Way, yeah, and right? would he really turn them into bluffs that often? I don't know if he always would. Also, maybe maybe he can have sixes sometimes and fives also. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Like, is the seven going to really just make him fold on the turn with those hands? Maybe not. Maybe he's folding all of his pairs in the turn if he doesn't hit a set on the turn when Lou continues. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. But the point is, like, either way, if he, if he doesn't, if he's got some of those pairs even, whether it's all of them or some of them, there's enough value that it probably balances it out. Yeah. Which means we probably have to fold queens. Right. Regardless. So I guess then this is that makes this a worse bet if we were going to not check call anyway. Yeah, we weren't going to put the money in, and now, yeah. we, now we do put the money in. Randy's just Randy's on his normal cash game autopilot mode here, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And this is like incredibly above-the-rim play for his normal cash game. Yeah. But it's wrong for this spot. Right, because of all of the exploitative factors involved. And I think a key is the cannon opening big preflop. That is the whole thing. I yeah. think without that... He can probably bet, and it's much more reasonable to think he might get called. Yeah. He's been three-betting a lot and all that stuff. But without, but with that in play, now he's got a tighter range, and he's either he's got a big pair or better. Right. He, to, should, have, he should have queens plus now, right? Right. To be or clear. plus, anyway. Yeah, tens plus, and he's probably not betting tens. Right. So to You're be right. clear, so queens yeah, the reason for all of this is that when Randy's betting queens, the reason we're saying it's a bad bet, when Randy's betting queens is a very thin value bet, it's kind of like he's repping air, right? Yeah. And it's hard to have air right? in this situation. Really so it hard. doesn't really work from that perspective. Correct. Correct. Right. But if you forget about the open by the, by the cannon, it, yeah. totally, it totally works. Yeah. If you have that image. He's totally trying to play on his image. Yes. But it's just not a spot where it's probably going to work because of what we're saying. It's just a bad river card, and sometimes bad river cards are bad, and you just have to yeah. let it be that way. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it well, seems that, like that's it. I feel like that's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a bad bet. Yeah, it seems yeah. like a bad. Negreanu, bet. of course, is not going to fold. No, and, but he does take a while on Hems and Haas because he's confused why Randy has bet three streets now, and he's like, now it feels like you have a set of aces, is what he yeah. keeps saying. But he's like, ah, I'm not going to fold anyway. I just right. call. He decided not to move in. He just called. Right. Which was, you know, probably the right play because it is hard to come up with that many things Randy can really call you with when you move in. If Randy has ace king and got there, I guess he could consider. Like, it's going to be very cheap. It's, yeah, but is that different than Queens against Negreanu's moving in range? I mean, I don't think it is, but it's possible. If Negreanu moved in differently, there's a way he could do it. You know what I mean? But like Negr- the way Negreanu moved in, it feels like he's very strong. When he he did, does this, he I'm afraid in. you have three aces now. Instead of it's more like, you know, it's only a little bit more anyway. You know, it's like yeah. he makes it 48. You're like, well, I got 65 here. And he pushes it. And you're like, well, I guess he could have ace-queen. I don't know I how he could ever. He can never have ace-queen, of no. course. But I'm saying, like, you could make this up in your head. <laughs> yeah. Ace-queen of hearts? Maybe ace-queen of hearts. And he would never know. move in with ace-queen. He would just Why call. would he do that? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can't really come so up. So calling as Negreanu is a good play. Um, well, we have a set of sevens. Yeah. It's just hard to come up with anything. Yeah. I guess it's a Unless, good play. God, it feels so weird to do that, but it's, yeah. It seems well, like I mean, what play. are we getting called by? That's if, what I mean. If we're not getting called by his king, then yeah. Right. And there's almost no aces up in Inonoko's range. No. And there's almost no, wor- there's no worse sets in Inonoko's range that we're aware of. Right. We don't think there should be. So there could be like a set of jacks and a set of aces. And we don't think Inonoko even ever really shows up with ace-jack here, which he could call with, of course. But we he don't could. think he shows up with that. It's possible that he does, but it's unlikely. But based on our preflop analysis, we yeah. think this, in this spot exactly, it's, it's very unlikely. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, well I guess good. we're done with that. Yeah. All right. I feel like cool. we'll figure that out totally. Maybe, maybe we'll find another Randy Lou hand someday. I know I said we wouldn't. So I mean, if you guys have seen Randy Lou hands, Jonathan's convinced there's millions of them out there. There's more. I know there's more, and I want to see them. Well, tweet it at us. Why don't you go ahead and YouTube it then, Jonathan? We're at two poker guys. We the are. Number two poker guys. That's our Twitter handle. Tweet 
the hand with the YouTube link and the time. Tweet stamp. hands all day, every day. Yeah, because we watch them. Yeah. We watch them. Tweeting. All right, we're going to stop yeah. now.